The following sermon is by Manny Alaniz, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel in Northwest San Antonio, Texas. For more information, for prayer, or to support us financially, please visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. The Lord, the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. Let us prepare our hearts to hear God's truth through the preaching of his word, which begins with, with prayer. Let us pray together. Father, we approach your throne of grace with reverence and humility, recognizing that you are the sovereign ruler over all of creation, over us. As we gather and have gathered here today to thank you for the privilege of being able to gather together with a community of believers to worship and seek your wisdom. Holy Spirit, ignite our souls. In Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Several years ago, a movie came out. The movie premiered called Castaway. It premiered, and it, 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 a lot of people went out and saw it. It was a popular movie. It was about a man who was stranded all by himself on a deserted island. He, saw, he survived for several years. Some say that uh, that story was based on a true story. Based on a true story of a, of a man who survived all alone. For several years, for several years. He lived for several years as he learned how to find food and water, fresh water. He eventually built a hut for himself to sleep in. Now, after several years, being all by himself, after several years, he was rescued. He was rescued, and the rescuers were amazed. They were amazed at him, that he was able to do all this, that he was able to live, that he was able, to, that he found food, shelter, and accomplished so many things. So the man took his rescuers around the island, this desolate island, and he shows them around, and he shows them his hut where he lived and where he would sleep. And he took him around where he found his food, berries, and plant, other plants where he, that he was able to eat and survive. And he took him around and showed him fishing holes, fishing spots where he caught fish to eat. And amazingly enough, he showed him his, his hut again. And, and, he, and after he showed him that hut, he went around showing him around and he showed him another hut. And they go, well, hey, there's another hut here. What's that for? And he said, well, that hut I used as my church. It was my church to worship. And then he kept going and he showed him around a little bit more and it was another hut that he had built. And they were a little puzzled. They go, why? Well, what's this hut for? And he said, well, that hut, this hut over here was my former church, but then I did. It was a split. I went ahead and started another church. That's a... That is a humorous story. I hope you caught that. But it, it gives us a, 
it gives us uh, an insight into human behavior. Human behavior, an insight into human behavior. We as humans, even Christians, have a disease. We have a disorder that is embedded in us. It is embedded in us. It is a vice that brings or has a strange enjoyment, a vice that has a strange enjoyment. According to a theologian, John Calvin says that we have a strange enjoyment of looking and identifying other people's flaws and faults. We enjoy finding other people's flaws and faults. Think about that. And I know, don't say you, you do it or not. Just think about it. Oh, man, I hate to admit that. It was a, it is a, a tendency to look at other people's flaws and, and, and faults and to embellish them even, to, to look at how severe it is. And, it, and this, this doesn't involve in looking at other people that are non-believers out here in the world. It involves looking at believers in our churches even. Looking at them and looking at their falls and, and, and faults. And we do this. We do this in order to pass judgment against them. We're passing judgment against them. Now, we may not call it judgment. But that's what we're doing. We're belittling them. We're pridefully passing judgment against them. This is a this disease is enhanced because we we have this superiority. We feel like we're superior to other people because we can identify where they're messed up. And we're not. So we think. Well, Jesus deals with this disease. He deals with this disorder in our passage today. He starts off by saying, judge not, that you be not judged. Judge not that you be not judged. Now, why should you care about that? Why should anyone care about that? Why should you care? Because we all have an unscrupulous desire to look at other people's faults. Even other Christians' flaws. More specifically, we have a desire to pass judgment upon other people. Some people, Christians, would even go as far as, hey, I know so-and-so, you know, that guy is not saved. That's passing judgment. That's serious stuff. That's what our passage is about. That's what our text is about. The prohibition, that is the action that's being forbidden by Christ in our passage, in our text, is not about judging. It's not about judgment or passing judgment on others. That's, it's not about that. Or it is, but, it, but it's not what you think. Jesus is telling us that before we can look and judge somebody else, before we can seek to judge and correct our neighbor, we must first look inward. We must first look inward at ourselves. When 
we who judge others according to the law of God, we must always begin by subjecting ourselves to the same examination. It begins inward. Christian spiritual discernment commands us to look inward before taking outward action when judging others. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. That's a powerful statement that Christ is giving us. It's a reminder of what's at stake. Now, here's what we must understand, okay? Don't lose this. Understand this. Christ is not saying, again, he's not saying that we cannot or should not judge. Holy Scripture tells us that we have to make distinctions, judgments. We must judge between what? Good and evil, we have to be able to do that, especially today with all the things that are going on today. You've got to be able to recognize that's good, that's evil. No matter what they're saying, that is evil. We have to be able to make that distinction. We have to make that judgment. We are not only permitted to make distinctions. We are bound, we are bound by God to condemn all sin. We are bound by God to condemn sin. Again, we have to listen, we have to pay attention, we have to listen closely. Well, we can and must condemn sin. We can and must condemn sin, even sin in others, even sin in other Christians. We cannot condemn the sinner. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. Remember, we're dealing with a God, a benevolent God, a loving God. He is so loving that he forgave you. And you were a sinner. We were sinners. We can judge sin, simple behavior in others. We're called to make distinctions between bad and good. And while we judge sin, we cannot judge the sinner. Listen to what verse 2 is telling us. If we are passing judgment, if we are going to condemn others through the use of a standard, a standard measurement, what is that standard of measurement? God's law. God, God is the same. God's law is the standard. We must be in compliance with that standard. Romans 2, verse 1 says, Therefore, you have no excuse, O man and woman, every one of you who judges, for in, ju in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same thing. Can I condemn somebody or condemn sin in somebody else if you're doing the same thing. Oh, hey, he's a hypocrite. And calling it out if you're doing the same thing in other ways, in other types of sin. Paul goes on to say in verse 3 of Romans 2, he says, 
Do you suppose, O oh man, woman, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Wow. We must remember that God's kindness in forgiving us, God's kindness is meant to lead us to what? Repentance. Repentance. Repent of our sinfulness. In fact, we live a life of repentance. We've talked about that in the past. That is why we are not to condemn the sinner. We can and must condemn the sin in ourselves and in others. This, uh, this leads us to repentance. And what does it also lead us to do for others? It leads us to pray for others. We pray. We must pray for other people. This is what the Lord is addressing. He calls us hypocrites in verses 3, 4, and 5. We must attend to ourselves first. We must attend to ourselves first by recognizing the log, the log, the beam in our own eyes before we can see the moat or the speck, the sawdust in our brother's eyes, in, in someone else's eyes. If we're going to condemn someone who Jesus says they have sawdust and they're not able to see their sin. I worked in my dad's camper place and it was, he built campers. And we were cutting wood all the time and doing this and that. There's sawdust everywhere. Got all over your body, got in your eyes. In fact, sometimes when you're working, you get sawdust in your eyes. You're still trying to go through and cut and hammer whatever else we're doing. We can. I was able to continue to function, but this is telling us now. But there might be. They might be functioning like that in sin. But you have a two by four right in your eyes. You don't even see that. You don't even see the sin in your eyes. And you're trying to condemn somebody else for their sinfulness. And look at the hyperbole Christ uses. Hyperbole, right? He uses this to stress his point. Get a log and put it in your eye. That and it's that. It, it is that obvious. And you're intentionally overlooking the sin intentionally so you can condemn somebody else. I get he doesn't tell us we can't do it. He says, take it out. Remove it so you can see clearly, clearly enough to help somebody else, to help them recognize and address their own sinfulness. Jesus emphasizes the importance of self-reflection and addressing our own faults and attempting to correct them. We correct our sinfulness and our flaws by taking action against them, and we do that by the grace of God. We call upon the grace of God. First, to identify them. Think about your life right now. Is there a sin you're just overlooking? The obvious sin? But everybody seems to be doing it. And you've done it for so long, you probably you might even think, hey, it's okay. God knows I'm doing it. It's a pet sin. Yeah, yeah, it's a pet. He knows. He loves me. He knows that's who I am. There's your log. But you've got to reflect on yourself. You've got to ask God to reveal it to you if you don't think you have one. We have them. We repent during worship all the time. We, we repent 
of our sinfulness. We repent as a group. We repent individually. As we continue to worship him. It's continuous repentance and believe. We continue to worship and repent and continue to worship. Jesus uses hyperbole to highlight the absurdity of our own hypocrisy. Uses hyperbole to demonstrate the, the absurdity of our hypocrisy. We're all called to be servants of God. And, and I've been talking about this, and I've talked to you, some of you individually about sharing the gospel message with others, being able to do it. We've even practiced it the other day in a Bible study. We got into a great conversation about it. It was wonderful. We want to share Jesus. See, that was the whole focus of our Bible study the other day. When we talked about evangelizing, we're talking about, okay, we want to share Jesus with them. They're going to want to take you out of that. They're going to want to take you about, hey, what about all this mess that's going on? What about all these people that are dying? Doesn't God care about all this? What about transgender? What about same-sex attraction? What about all this? And I, and we talked the other day about put, them, put their focus back where it needs to be. You can get into that later in Bible studies and worship. But that's not what comes first. When we evangelize, we share Jesus. How wonderful he is. How glorious it is. How glorious this treasure of Jesus is for us. And how it could be glorious and wonderful to them. And yes, this God has moral standards. He has right and he has wrongs. That's who he is. But he's a glorious God. He's treasure, and that's evangelizing. And that's what we're called to do. But if you're struggling with the sin, it's going to be hard to do. So we're called, and we see it obviously here, address the log in our eyes, in our eye. Address the obvious sin. Or the sin of the day, well, we repented and keep going. Keep moving forward. In verse 6, Jesus goes on to talk about spiritual discernment. Spiritual discernment. When judging the sinfulness of others, even when we share the gospel of Christ with others. Look at verse 6. Let me read it to you what verse 6 actually says. It says, Do not give dogs what is holy. And do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. What is that about? We are being told prior to that in the first five verses about being able to judge sin, and to, but to take the, the log out of your eyes and, and, and before you can help them take the speck out of their eyes. When sharing the gospel, when sharing the gospel message. And then we get something like this. We're going like, what is Jesus talking about? For some, this is a very strange and misunderstood verse because it's tied to the one before it and the one after it. So it has to make sense. Everything in the Bible has to make sense, even if when we read it, it doesn't. 
when we read it, it doesn't. That requires more study, that requires worshiping, that requires digging into the passage by the power of the Holy Spirit to get a, a better understanding. So please understand that we, first thing we have to understand, when we see about these pigs and these dogs and not to give our treasure to them, we have to understand that this is not a prohibition. It is not telling us, it is not banning us from first judging others. And it's certainly not banning us from sharing the gospel message, the kingdom message of the gospel. It is not doing that. That would go against everything else in the New everything else in the Bible. That would go against God's great commission if you didn't share the gospel. So we know that it's not doing that because we're called to go make disciples, to go out to the world and make disciples. What Christ is doing here is he's giving us a cautionary statement about spiritual discernment. Discern what's going on, who you're talking to. Let me tell you, one of the one of the toughest places, I've been sharing the gospel now for several years, and I'm sure you've run across this, but I go everywhere. At Starbucks, I go to people's homes. Sandy and I have gone to people's homes. And, and one of the toughest places to go to and to share the gospel is to go into a place where Satan is at work. In fact, I have run into the, the influence of Satan sharing the gospel in people's homes. Where you just said, where you just ended up wanting to pray and get out, for the peace of Christ was not there. And we're told about that. We're told to get out, the peace of Christ is not there, and even shake the dust off our feet. So we're called to go out and share the gospel. We are called to go out and share the gospel with everybody, everyone. But we have to be discerning. Now let's get into what that means and what Jesus is saying to get a, to, to get a clear picture of what he is telling us. The metaphor of dogs and pigs in this context is symbolizing people, people who are unreceptive, and even hostile to the message, to the kingdom message. It's, and there are people out there that, that are. We see them. You know some. They're all over the place. They're unreceptive and even hostile to the message of the kingdom of, God, of the gospel. In, in Jesus' day, pigs were unclean animals. They were unclean animals. Dogs. Dogs were wild. They were scavengers. They were not pets like they are today. They ate garbage. Now, that is not a description, and Christ is not talking about every unbeliever out there. He's talking about certain ones that, again, are hostile to the gospel. They're unreceptive. Just like these people that we went and shared the gospel to. They just did, they did everything they can to attack me. They were hostile to that message. They want to hear nothing about it. And they're, they're out there in the world. And we're called, when we're out there, we're going to come across somebody like that. So we have to be able to discern and to step away, to step back and dust and shake the dust off our feet and keep going. 
and keep going. That's discernment. That's spiritual discernment. Again, not every unbeliever is like that, just certain ones. There are people who are basically vicious and wild animals. Vicious and wild animals. Who, according to theologian John Stott, have an ample opportunity. Listen, he makes a good distinction here, so listen. He, uh, it says that they have an ample opportunity to hear and receive the good news, but have decisive, uh, decisively, even defiantly rejected it. They decisively and defiantly reject that message. Now, you've shared the gospel with some people, and they go, well, I just think about it. I just don't know if it sounds good. I just don't. You know, that's not defiantly rejecting the message. You let leave them alone. Leave them there. Pray, pray if you can with them and pray later for sure. That's not who Jesus is talking about. The animals that Jesus is talking about are the ones that are defiant against God himself. And that's all over Scripture. Jesus talks to the religious leaders that were defiant against him. They're demonstrating their hardness and their contempt of God. That's what they're doing. They're demonstrating their contempt of God. Their disease, their, their disorder is incurable. It's incurable. They're going to be condemned by God. You heard the story, some of you heard the story about Robbie Zacharias. Remember Robbie Zacharias? God. Guys, I gotta tell you, I was I read I've read his books and I used to listen to him all the time. He was an amazing, he's passed, okay? He died in 2020. He was an amazing evangelist minister, evangelical minister and apologetic, who founded the Robbie Zacharias International Ministries. He was involved in apologetics, and for a period that spanned more than 40 years, he wrote about 30 books, 30 books. Robbie Zacharias died in the midst of, sexual, of a sexual scandal that involved several of his physical therapists. He had back problems, and he would take physical therapists with him when he went to these events. Several people warned him against that. And as it turns out, a sexual scandal broke as a result of all this. And see, basically, that's the story. That's what we need to take from this passage, that we're not immune, that our walk with Christ is continuous, that we always have to be on guard about against the log. Robbie Zacharias had a, had a log in his eye and didn't recognize it, or just ignored it. We need to hear that and be on the lookout for a log in our eye. We cannot be prideful. We cannot be boastful. We cannot think we have it all figured out. And the way we do things here at St. Stephen's Chapel, not, if anybody does anything different, they're heretics. That's nonsense. That's prideful. Take the log out of your eye. We, are, we follow Christ. We do. So we're humble. 
we were reverently following his lead where he's taking us. But we have to do that in our personal lives as well. We need to follow him. He's guiding us. He's blessing us. He will give us his grace to further the kingdom of God. See, we must treasure the pearls. We, we must treasure what he has given us, the love that he's given us, the salvation that he's given us, the privilege of being able to serve him in his church, to serve him by going out and sharing the gospel. That's our treasure. And we must never, ever forget that that's our treasure. But we must be spiritually discerning against ourselves when we try, when we get prideful and try to look down on anyone else. We must have spiritual discernment, which commands us to look inward before taking outward action when judging others for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. Let's pray. You've been listening to Manny Alanese, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel. For more information about our church, visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Please join us prayerfully and financially as we seek to glorify God by preaching His Word and spreading the gospel of grace in boldness and selflessness.